Time for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boys. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host, also a local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. I'm your guide on this excursion into broadcast excellence, waking you up on Saturday morning. As always, it's Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour here at Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things that we think you need to know. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we are all about limited government, lower taxes, all the things that mean more freedom. Freedom. Think about that. Every time the left convinces you to be afraid about the world that you live in, whether it's Omicron or anything else, they take just a tad little bit of your freedom away. That's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to do, folks. And that's why we're here, to keep uh, rational hearts and minds afloat. Um, We got a country to save, and it starts right here in this studio, right in your kitchen, around the table, wherever you are enjoying that fine cup of Saturday morning coffee. So let's get right to it. We invite you to settle in with us as we catch you up on all the things that we think you need to know about, hear about. Joined here in the studio, as always, by producer extraordinaire, Dr. Glenn Dye. Dr. Dye, good morning. How good are morning. you? Good morning. I'm not a doctor, but I did say at a Holiday Inn Express one Well, time. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, the, that's the fallback. <laughs> Anytime I'm hit with a question I don't know, I, I, yeah. I have a law degree, but that really doesn't matter. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. I always think about when, um, uh, back on Seinfeld, when, uh, yeah. not, not Kramer, but the guy pulled the uh, golf ball out of the whale's uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <fell. laughs> So, you know, anybody can do anything. And, and like they say, any given Sunday, you never know what will happen. Any you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen on this show. Um, it's been a while since we've been in the studio, so it's good to be back. <laughs> For you, buddy. Well, but, you know, Mr. Worldly uh, Reese Boyd uh, traveling the world and yeah. saving people. Saving people. Well, yeah. we, 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 had a, we had kind of a tough November. We right. obviously had a death in the family. Right. My, my brother-in-law, James Saganowitz, passed away, and that, uh, that took us out of commission for a week or so and then of course we had the holiday and we were traveling over the thanksgiving holiday and so yeah it's it's good to be back but you've gotten some studio time you know you've been been here i just haven't been here when you're here yeah i have been in the studio i hosted a a few times a couple of times for liz and actually we'll be back uh well i'll be back monday Mm -hmm. with nick uh filling in for the queen who was out and about she's she's got a lot going on i had Mm -hmm. a a rough november she's got a crazy november december going on they're they're opening (laughs) up the the new business they're moving she's got she's got lots of moving parts yeah i've had i've had lunch down at the reckless rooster and it was delightful yeah Yeah. it's uh like i said a lot of moving parts she and javi are doing that and then they're actually moving so they were i think in the in the midst of the move over the weekend i had some type of a chicken sandwich that had uh, jalapeno bacon on it cheese um, hmm, there was some kind of a rumelied sauce on it as well. Uh, very tasty. That was one thick breast uh, of chicken. I mean, yeah. it was a. This was not a Chick Fil A chicken breast. This was really good. Coleslaw was excellent. 
I recommend the place, and it's only like six miles from my house, so they'll get some of my business. It's up on Highway 9. Mm-hmm. In uh, 90. 90. Nine, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. 90 in Longs. Yeah. Uh, and right I, there by the Bistro 90 in that area. Yeah, yeah. Good uh, good stuff. Jalapeno so. cheddar biscuits. Took mm, a couple of those home. Oh, man. They're huge. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are saw you gonna Jacob. Make, Jacob's in the studio with us today, yeah. and he saw how big those biscuits are. I mean, they're huge. Yeah, that's uh, you, you guys are going to make me have to run up and get some uh, breakfast. I should have. I've, I've got a little uh, Belvita biscuit here, but well, that's not going to do. You know, it. back when in the old days when Jacob was an intern, we could have done that and sent him down the road for something. But um, now he's actually a paid employee. So. All right. Okay. Well, I don't know that we can. Congratulations, Jacob. Payroll that welcome, way. Welcome to the welcome to the big the big yeah. leagues. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, uh, and you had a, you had a good Thanksgiving. Excellent. Right. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Very good. I um, had an interesting. Uh, Epiphany Thanksgiving, I cooked a turkey in a rotisserie oven for okay. the first time. And it was it turned out really well. So Is that Showtime rotisserie oven? You know, I had not I had I didn't even realize Showtimes were not still around. I didn't I mean I don't either, but they were they made a delicious yeah. and, chicken. And and so I had a, a buddy of mine, uh Doug Floyd over at um, at the Honeycut Group accounting firm, right in, in our same building. He said he said, You've got to use this oven to cook your turkey. And I said, all right, fine, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so it, he said, it's a rotisserie oven. Well, when he said rotisserie, I wasn't really sure exactly what he was talking about. I wonder if he's talking about a Showtime oven. Right. right. And, and so he brought it to me, sure enough, a jumbo Showtime oven, large size, whole turkey, 15-pound turkey, fit within the oven easily and put it on the spit and yeah. spinning in there. Set it and forget it. You remember the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so... Yeah, it was great. It was absolutely uh, moist through and through, and it was just perfectly seasoned. I mean, it was just a it was a one of the best turkeys I've ever cooked. I think the Showtime was one of the original in- infomercials. You know, yeah. it was back in the day when all that stuff was starting. It and you knew they sold a ton of stuff with people up all night yeah, <laughs> watching well, stuff like when that. When I when I was a kid, this is funny. I mean, I had a I had a thought and I actually looked it up. Uh, you remember uh, when I was a kid, you would go to bed and. Ron Popeil would be on the TV selling something. Yeah, now, it wasn't yeah. always the Showtime oven, but you know he had the uh, Mr. Microphone. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Hey, good looking. Yeah. We'll be back to pick you up later. <laughs> that was him. Yeah. So Ronco, everything that was ever sold yeah. uh, under the Ronco brand, that was him, and he was yeah. on. And then it occurred to me, I haven't seen him in any way. He passed away. He's obviously, he's been passed away for quite a few years. I don't remember exactly what year he passed away. I think it was early 2000s. And I looked it up, but it, it just reminded me that, you know, you can, you can be all over television one day mm-hmm. and, and go on the next. And I hadn't thought about him while. Because when Doug asked me that, I said, I wonder if that's an old show, one of those old Showtime ovens. And right. that's exactly what he had. Anyway, it was what great stuff. To, like the ShamWow guy, you know, and, and, and yeah. you know the, the that OxyClean guy. guy the you OxyClean know, guy. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he died on after getting off of an airplane, I yeah, believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, some, so. some type of illegal substance, I believe. Yeah, yeah, sad stuff. So anyway, lot to, but great turkey, good Thanksgiving, uh, sort of a, a you know great time with your family. We hope you guys had a great uh, time with your families over the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, we've got a great uh, show coming up for you today. We've um, got uh, a lot going on, a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on. I've got a huge uh, stack because we haven't been here in uh, quite a while, so we'll try to get through the stack. And then we're going to be joined here in the studio. We've got a couple of uh, guests coming up. Uh, We're going to be joined here in the studio by special guest Dr. Garrett Barton. Dr. Barton is a candidate for Congress. Uh, That's the South Carolina 7th seat currently held by 
Congressman Tom Rice. And uh, coming up in the uh, second hour, we're also going to be joined by Melanie Israel. Melanie is with the uh, Heritage Foundation, and we're going to be talking about the Supreme Court uh, uh, oral argument. I wouldn't say debate, but it was an oral argument uh, this week in the Mississippi case, the Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Women's Health Center case, uh, which puts uh, Roe v. Wade squarely on the table. So it's an interesting moment in our history, a big case being considered at this moment. We'll be uh, talking with Melanie about that. Look forward to that discussion and a lot more here on Saturday Morning Coffee. So stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team, EXP Realty. And, Greg, if you represent a seller in this market, how do you help them determine what the right listing price is in a market such as this? To determine the right listing price today, you have to look at the current pendings that are comparable. We don't even need to look at the closed sales because that's in the past. In an upward-trending market that's going up this quickly, we look at homes that are on the market that are for sale or have just gone pending, and that's what we're basing our pricing on, but you have to be careful not to overprice. When the home is on the market for more than 25 to 30 days, people start wondering what's wrong. So you got to be careful not to overprice it. Folks, that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team EXP Realty at 843-251-2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. In a cave below the ground, way down, it's cold and it's dark. But a nose is way around, and the mazes of the underground are no match for him. But it looks just like a traveler who hasn't showered in a while I've been living in the ground Milo is your best friend Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.19 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee, Saturday December the 4th, 2021. I wanted to remind you guys that you can join the show anytime. Call-in number for Saturday Morning Coffee is 843-903-2945. You can also text us your comments to 843-798-TALK. That's 843-798-8255. A few of you checking in already this morning on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. You can also tweet your comments to me. The Twitter handle for the show is at Reese Boyd. And you can email your comments and questions to the show. SMC at gmail.com is the email address for the show. And many of you have called me at the office to talk about the things that we talk about uh, on the show. What's going on in your life? Legal needs that you may have. Always happy to hear from listeners of the program. Legal uh, issues or otherwise. So uh, number at the offices of Davis and Boyd. That's the day job. 
9800, I've heard from quite a few of you lately. We've been talking a lot about vax uh, mandates and what's happening on the vax mandate front. Been counseling a lot of you guys through the, uh, through the, the, the issue of employer mandates. A lot of you are dealing with that, uh, struggling with how to respond, what to do. And if you haven't been listening to the show, if you're just tuning in for the first time, my first piece of advice to you is don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Uh, by the way, the administration is taking it on the chin in the courts. These mandates are not constitutional. They will not stand. And it's just a matter of time until this whole regime comes crumbling down and they realize that they're just way out of bounds. That's what the courts are saying. That's what the federal district courts are saying. That's what the uh, courts of appeals are now saying. So it doesn't appear to me any likely uh, any likely alternative, except all of this is going to be held flatly unconstitutional. OSHA doesn't have the authority to do what they were trying to do through OSHA. CMS doesn't have the authority to do what they were trying to do through uh, CMS. And so none of this is going to stand. Uh, it's simply flatly unconstitutional, and it's not even close. So don't let them uh, tell you. I've got uh, some employers in the area have stopped uh, have stopped uh, enforcing the mandate because of uh, the court decisions. Others are pressing ahead. So we'll we'll be talking some about that today. We'll also uh, be talking about uh, the president and his penchant for myths, truths. And uh, just it's unbelievable. The the uh, the president just has a hard time distinguishing fact from reality, apparently. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. We'll be talking about Alec Baldwin and a fascinating interview that. Uh, he gave to uh, ABC George Stephanopoulos this week about the uh, unfortunate uh, incident on the set of Rust and how uh, how he feels about that bizarre interview, frankly, that doesn't really uh, hold water, as uh, Marissa Tomei would say. But uh, we'll be talking about that. And as I said, we've got a couple of uh, guests be joining us here in the studio later in the program. Uh, Dr. Garten Bar- Garrett Barton, excuse me, running for Congress uh, in the South Carolina 7, going to be joining us. And uh, also want to remind you, and also Melanie Israel from the Heritage Foundation, going to be joining us to talk about the Supreme Court uh, case, uh, the Dobbs case that came up uh, for argument uh, this week. Fascinating argument uh, that puts Roe v. Wade back squarely on the table. And uh, and that, it, to me, is one of the biggest issues of the moment that we're that we're facing, because, folks, that's a think about that. That's a 50 year turn. It's taken 50 years to get to this point where the wisdom of Roe v. Wade is now being uh, seriously for the first time in many years uh, since Casey, since the Casey case in the 1990s, 1993, I believe, since Casey in 1992 or 93, 92, perhaps. Uh, that the Supreme Court has taken a hard look at Roe v. Wade, so that's a that's a huge uh, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a massive uh, disruption in our culture and our society. It has torn at the fabric of this culture, and uh, and so a lot to sort out there to figure out. Uh, you know how we get beyond uh, where we are, but it's obvious if you listen to the arguments that Roe v. Wade. What, what was fascinating to me? Did you happen to? Catch any of the arguments on uh, or any of the clips? I, I I saw some news clips, yeah, but uh, quite honestly, uh, it, it's another divide this country issue. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, I mean, everything is dividing us. Everything, uh, like you mentioned, Alec Baldwin. There's people that believe that you know he's responsible. People that believe he wasn't. I well, every, I was just every issue is a device, a divisive yeah. issue, and our president swore that he was going to bring our country together. Oh yeah. And, and that has worked out yeah. so well. The thing that I'm, <clears throat> I did listen to the oral arguments in the Dobbs case, one of the things that struck me uh, is that they were not – they didn't spend much time actually talking about the Constitution. Right. 
And if you really, if you look at uh, the Dobbs, if you look at the case that they brought uh, challenging uh, the the law in Mississippi, and if you look at the arguments they had at the Supreme Court, they spent very little time actually talking about the Constitution. And when they did, they were talking about what does Roe stand for. So here you've got 50 years later, these Supreme Court justices who should know better than anybody what Roe was about, and they're still debating. You know, they're asking these litigants, what is this issue? What is this constitutional right that Roe hangs on? And, and there, there's not, 50 years later, Glenn, there's yeah. still not a clear, concise answer to that question. Maybe they should have been thinking about it long before now. But quite honestly, I mean, I, I think it just goes back to common sense. Every life is precious. Yeah. The safest place in the world should be the womb of your mother. And, and the, the difficulty is there is no bright line test that Roe established uh, that works that is consistent with life, as right, you said. Right. And so you've got a problem from the get-go. And the, and, the, and the problem, really, from a legal perspective, is Roe v. Wade isn't really based on the Constitution. It's based on one justice's opinion mm-hmm. of what he thought was the right answer. And he got four justices, or, or a few justices, at least four. I forget the, the number of the uh, justices in that. Uh, it was at least five, because you've got nine. So I don't I forget exactly how many justices joined Justice Blackman in the Roe v. Wade opinion. But really, it's a legally, it's a house of cards built on sand. And and 50 years later, we're still trying to figure out what he was thinking. Well, go back before the Supreme Court got involved. Do you you think it should have just been left to the states to decide? Absolutely. Okay, And and And, and you'll have some states like blue states, California, New York, that will have. There are states now where you can literally get an abortion right up until the moment of birth. Right. And it does not help the problem. This, this is, the abortions are not going to be eliminated. No. Um, you're still going to be able to get an abortion, but it's still costing lives. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's one of the misconceptions. Yeah. Tom Heron had a figure the, uh, coming up later today. He had a figure of how many babies have died over the past so many years. and. Well, it's, it's incredible. If you, you look know, at it, how many abortions have been? If, if you look at the number of abortions that have been performed uh, since Roe v. Wade in 1973, the number is about 60 million. And and we look at that and we say, oh, my gosh, I know. Where did that? How did that number become so big? Think about this for a second. We remember the Holocaust as one of the great blemishes on human civilization. Right. That was an organized effort by Hitler and the Third Reich to exterminate a population. Right. And they killed about 12 million people. Well, we've killed 60 million Mm -hmm. in this country since 1973 under the Roe v. Wade regime. And the number is it's five times bigger than the Holocaust. And we remember the Holocaust is one of the darkest moments in human history. Right. Yeah. And, That's a real good point. Bruce. And, uh, you know, and the other thing that I, I was thinking about this week and, and this again, the arguments at the Supreme Court were really it sounded more like a sort of a just kind of a grad student bull session. I mean, it was not about the law. That's what it struck me. And, and there were a lot of there was a lot of back and forth about uh, whether uh, fetuses can feel pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justice Sotomayor had a really. Uh, frankly, a disgusting comment that about, you know, uh, talking about how fetuses have been 
Uh, now that we've studied what happens in the womb and we know that unborn children can sense pain, we know they can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that they're forming a lot, uh, they develop a lot quicker. That, that, that's another thing. The, the science has changed significantly since Roe v. Wade was enacted True. in the early 70s. We right. didn't have ultrasound. Right. We didn't have all the, um, you know, we didn't have all the wonderful technology right. that we have today. And uh, Sotomayor made a comment, well, even a, you know, a, a, a brain dead person. She actually said dead brain. I think she meant brain dead, but she said even a, a, a brain dead person can have an, an automatic response. If you poke them, you know, they will, their, their muscles will move. Right. And even uh, some people after death will have that response. And so she was just comparing, you know, unborn children to, you know, dead brain people in comas, uh, brain dead people in comas. The uh, bottom line is, you know, both, I mean, it was really disgusting. Frankly, The bottom line is they're both alive. Yeah. Well, so, the cadaver is not obviously the dead body is not alive, well, but you know it's a it, well. Okay, you said brain dead, but I didn't. Okay, brain dead meaning. Well, I think okay. I think in her I think in her comments she thinking, used both examples. Okay, I was thinking on life support. Yeah, they yeah. haven't taken them off. And, yeah, you know, exactly. But still alive. But you know, interestingly enough, one of the things that uh, most of us don't realize, you know, Bill Clinton said uh, wants abortion to be safe, legal, and rare, and that is the that's the mantra. Of the left, they want you to think that abortion is safe, legal, and rare, but the number that we just talked about is sixty million. I mean, how do you, how do you, how does a, how does a civilized country get to that number where you've killed sixty million of your least vulnerable among you? And the other thing I thought that is interesting, we don't. Uh, I read this this week. We don't classify an abortion as a death. If we did, abortion would be the second leading cause of death. In this country, wow, that's another great point. Yeah, and 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 back to the safe, legal, and rare issue. Uh, approximately one out of every four women, twenty-four percent of every women will have uh, of every uh, every uh, one out of four women at current rates will have an abortion by the time they're 84, uh, 80, 45, Excuse me, all these numbers <laughs> yeah. run together. By the time they're yeah. eighty-four, by the time they're forty-five. So uh, again. Wow. Safe, legal, and rare is sort of a fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg had some interesting uh, comments this week about, uh, you know, if, you're, if you don't have uh, a uterus, you're not entitled to an opinion. Yeah, I, I heard that part. And, and, and who, what point does it become murder? So, yeah. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question, and it's one that we, um, you know, like I said, one of the things that that's, this moment is so historic, Glenn, because for the first time, basically in the Casey case, which is the last time the court really looked at this issue, they said, well, we're not – my reading of, the, of Casey is the court was a little nervous about the, the foundations of Roe, mm-hmm. but they said it's an important case, and it's so important we're not going to flip-flop on it. And so – we're going to stick with it, even though we have grave sort of concerns about it internally that we don't really want to talk about. We have questions about the foundation of it all legally, uh, whether it's really based in the Constitution or not. But we're, we're not going to we're not going to flip it at, at this time because they talked about the, the, the precedential value of Roe v. Wade. And at that point, Roe was about 20 years old. Well, now it's Roe's 50 years old. So. Who knows? It's a it's a it's a, a fascinating situation. It's a big case before the Supreme Court. I personally think that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. I think we've got the votes uh, there. I think it's going to be a five four decision. It might be a six three decision. So thank you, President Trump. Yeah, thank you, President Trump. Mm-hmm. So 
A lot more to talk about this morning, folks, here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Feel free to uh, join us on the program. Text your comments to us. A lot of you checking in. Call in. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. He's bigger than life superhero. He's the captain of the football team. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Saturday Morning Coffee on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.37 on your Saturday morning. Quite a few of you checking in this morning on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Uh, Don B. checking in. He says, I'm the only attorney he's talking to today. Well, thank you, Don. That's uh, that's a little an ongoing little inside joke between me and Magadon. West uh, he, he go rogue on you at point, some point? Oh, uh, he was stepping out. Oh, but I got him I got him back in line. Him back in. I got him back in line. Good morning, Wes. Uh, Reese, my wife received a religious exemption, like to, talking about the Vax mandates. Uh, yes, good job, uh, Wes. Glad to hear from you. The Virginia gentleman checking in. 60 million would be everyone currently living in the UK. Wow. That is depressing as hell what a what an amazing comment yeah unbelievable um yeah kevin the x-ray guy checking in a lot of you uh checking in this morning as i said don b cadillac gary good morning gentlemen cadillac gary says uh the balding hairspray was his favorite yeah, Ronco, Ronco product. Yeah. I'd totally forgotten about the balding yeah. hairspray. And, yeah, I always thought about inventing something, and right now I'm working on something to control pet hair in a home. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but I always thought the company would be called Glencoe. Yeah, Glencoe. I did. That's I was, not bad. Yeah, Glencoe. Uh, isn't there a Glencoe? Um, there must be. Well, there probably was back in the day, but yeah. I um, I invented the uh, coffin comforter years ago so that your loved ones can sleep on a heavenly cushion of air through all of eternity you know and i wrote out this whole basically commercial for the coffin comforter the glencoe comforter yeah and uh <laughs> and i and i actually one of my old boss who was kind of elderly yeah. he's having a heart attack and he's going for it it's underneath the bed you know he's pulling it out as he's, he's dying like don't forget to don't put forget me on the, the comforter, coffin comforter. Well, and it was know, by glencoe so comfort comfort uh, in death for is, eternity uh, is, yes. is 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 important you know the great thing about it is you don't really have to worry about it whether the coffin is comfortable or not. <laughs> no you oh, don't you don't actually no. have to worry about that if you have the faith buddy you will not need the coffin comforter. you will not need the glencoe no. comforter. and if you don't have the faith it's, it's not, not gonna, gonna help it's you. not gonna matter it's, gonna it's not melt. gonna matter it's gonna melt yeah so. climbers checking in larry biddle our friend from merle's inlet checking in with some uh, looks like some info on uh the uh welcome sign in conway main street collins park very good thank you larry that's a great shot um 
And uh, a lot of you checking in, as I said, this morning here on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Jesse the Horseman, I don't know if I mentioned that, checking in. So thank you all for joining us here on the show. You, too, can text your comments to us at the PCRXcomputers.com text line. That number is 843-798-8255. And you can call the show 843-903-2945. want to remind you guys that Saturday Morning Coffee is also available if you happen to miss an episode or two. Also available through Apple Podcasts, through Apple CarPlay, through Google Play, through just about any podcast provider. If you'll go to your podcast menu and search for Saturday Morning Coffee, look for the famous red and blue coffee cup logo. You can peruse the episodes and download at your convenience, listen at your leisure. So I hope you'll check that out. A lot of uh, folks have subscribed to the podcast, and that's uh, that's going uh, well. So another interesting thing that happened this week, Glenn, was that interview with uh, Alec Baldwin. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Did yeah. you catch that? I did, and um, uh, unscripted is what they said, right? Yeah. Oh, that was did terribly they, unscripted. Did you like the, the background music? Did the you background catch the, music was hideous. It was huh? ridiculous. It was depressing, and it was... This, I'm sure that was spontaneous, wasn't it? I'm sure there were just some because orchestra- it was unscripted. So some orchestra just I mean, folks in bold just letters right at the beginning, unscripted. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, some orchestra guys just happened to be in the background with their just passing by with it their instruments. A, it is amazing how yeah. the media creates this drama and effect. And I think Alan, I mean Alec, is an idiot for having that interview because he could still face charges on that. Oh, absolutely. We should and, ask Jimmy Richardson when he gets in here as an attorney. And I, well, that was one of the things I wanted Jimmy to come talk about. Uh, as an attorney, uh, when I heard him open the subject of that interview, and I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, what is he thinking? Right. But, but you've actually got the clip. I Why do. You roll it's that about, clip. About three minutes. We may, we may listen to most of it. We'll All see. Right. In an ABC News exclusive, Alec Baldwin is publicly explaining for the first time the moments leading up to the shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. Baldwin says he was receiving instructions from Hutchins during a rehearsal when the gun went off on its own. I cocked the gun. I go, can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see that? And she says, and then I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. He says he had no reason to believe there were live rounds in the gun and says assistant director Dave Halls announced that the gun was cold. Well, cold gun means there's no charge in there. There could be dummy rounds. A dummy round looks like a real bullet but is inert, containing no explosive charge. Halls told investigators he didn't know there were any live rounds in the gun. Paul's attorney also maintains Baldwin did not pull the trigger. Dave has told me since the very first day I met him that Alec did not pull that trigger. But investigators say a 45 caliber bullet was in the gun, killing Hutchins and wounding the director, Joel Souza. Someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. Someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is. Detectives have searched the shop where some of the guns and ammunition were purchased, but the owner says neither he nor his company were the source of the live bullets. They found four rounds that were close enough to take in with them. They're not a match, but they were close. The attorney for the armorer on set, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who was in charge of the guns, says his client has no idea where the live rounds came from and suggested the incident was sabotage. So, you know, that that's not the actual interview, but it is, uh, you know, you got the key uh, points that he said in there. One of the things that I, I was just uh, flummoxed by, tell me what you think, he said, you know, I didn't pull the trigger. First of all, he said, 
somebody's responsible, but it's not me. Right. And and I felt like the whole the overall intent of the interview, obviously, was to exonerate himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he sounded very scripted. It mm-hmm. sounded fake. The background music was ridiculous. Yeah, was. I mean, it was like it was like a, you know, an episode of a, you know true crime on a, you know. A, it was just it was almost an exploitation of her death yeah uh, I mean, it was a, it was almost like a like a true crime television yep, episode yep. now uh he did not he said he did not pull the trigger but he he cocked the gun with her instruction okay well and, and that's the other thing too i mean let's just play let's do a little role play okay. at the at the, uh, at the firm we'll do role plays when we're getting ready for testimony i'm going to hand you a gun mm-hmm. you're alec baldwin i'm going to say mr baldwin will you cock the gun Okay, it's a. It was this was a this was a revolver replica, right? Mm-hmm. Is what I've read. So I hand you this this revolver, and you're going to cock the gun. What do you do? Oh, wait a second. This was a real revolver. This yeah. wasn't a replica. So this was a re- yeah. It was a, okay. but it was a, it was a it was a. My understanding is it was a it, it wasn't an antique gun. It right. was a historic, right. accurate replica. Okay, of gotcha. a, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Circa 1870 right. revolver, whatever right. the original gun was supposed. So to what be. am I going to do as an adult? I'm going yeah. to take that gun and I'm going to check that gun first before I do anything. But with when it. you cock a when you cock a single action revolver, uh-huh. what do you do? You pull the pull hammer back. back until mm-hmm. it what? It clicks. Until it clicks. And if you doesn't click and you let go of that hammer, that gun is going to go off. Exactly. Anybody who that's, knows anything about a single action revolver knows mm-hmm. that's exactly what a revolver how a revolver works. And yeah. so if you listen to his uh, comment, he says, "I pull the hammer back and she's and he's, you know, she's tilt, you know, uh, tilt it down just a little bit more. Do you want to see this? Do you want to see that? And I let the hammer go, and the gun went off. First of all, why are you holding the hammer back? If you've cocked it, you don't have to hold the hammer right. back. Right. So his statement is not even consistent. And the other thing too that I thought about, Glenn, if you have, if you have a, a revolver and or a, a, a gun with a similar mechanism, if you want to decock it, you ease the hammer mm-hmm. back down into the chamber. You don't just Roll your thumb. You have to almost roll your thumb off of it to, you know, give it the click, the the, the speed that speed. it needs. Yeah, almost I mean, anybody who's familiar with handling a gun, you kind of ease that hammer mm-hmm. back down into its starting position. Right. Now, uh, he did also say, I would never point a loaded gun. I would never point a gun at someone and pull the trigger. And pull the trigger. Why did you say and pull the trigger? It should have just been you never point. At, every adult knows you don't point a gun, period, yeah. at anybody unless your intent is to stop shoot, or kill them. Shoot that person. Yeah. You point a gun at something only if you're prepared to yeah. shoot it. So, now, I realize I realize that life in Hollywood is different. He's on a is. movie set. Where they were doing practice shooting with live ammunition is what I heard. Yeah. Well, and there had already been multiple violations of safety protocols right. on that very set. That girl, Heather, the the armorist or whatever they called her, the person that was in charge, she actually said that uh, in some type of writing that she was uh, afraid because she didn't know what she was doing. So it sounded like she was kind of new to the job. They had, they had people that were clearly out of their league, right. out of their depth, yeah. and not experienced in doing, in, in doing the things that they were being asked to do. And don't forget... I believe it was Alec Baldwin's uh, production company that is ultimately responsible for this production. So ultimately, you know, the buck stops with him. And when he said, 
somebody's responsible, but it's not me. I thought to myself, what a, what a self-serving. Yep. A jury is going to hate that interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I believe a jury will see it, whether maybe not criminally, but civilly. I think yeah. he's got some issues. I think, I think good it's, thing he's I think rich because he's going to be giving somebody a lot of money. It was, an, it was just an awful, awful interview. I, and, and the other thing, too, again, is, uh, you know, if you, if you have that gun. By the way, I'm not the, we're not the only ones. To, John Schneider uh, gave a, um, an interview. He went, on, went online and he said, uh, he said uh, Schneider said, what, what, basically, what kind of idiots uh, do you think we are? Is is basically his comment. He said uh, the uh, his comment that he didn't pull the trigger. Uh, John Schneider, the former Dukes of Hazard star, said seriously, Alec. He put it on. He put a, a statement out online, yeah. and basically said the emotional responses during the interview were bull. And mm-hmm. uh, he said the you know he wants you supposedly he wants us to believe that the gun went off by itself. The performance of his lifetime is what he was trying to pull off. Make you feel sorry for him. He didn't have any responsibility. I think it's going to come back and bite him in the rear end. Yeah. He said three weeks ago it was a prop gun. Four weeks ago nobody knew how in this world a real weapon was loaded on the set. Today he didn't pull the trigger. What kind of idiot do you think is, think think that we are? He said it was complete nonsense. Guns do not go off by themselves, nope. Schneider insisted. Let's not forget this was a single action uh, revolver, the weapon needs to be cocked and fired. What kind of idiot do you take us for? If he dropped it and it went off and shot somebody, that would, oh, be, that a would be a different. different story. But you were holding the gun, you cocked it, that woman is dead. And Hutchins is still deceased. And yep. this none of this brings her back, no. obviously. What so, a beautiful spirit, too. Yeah, so amazing stuff, but not an interview that I would have advised him to give. Um, folks, a lot more to talk about. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services about how sound financial planning can help your family. Scott? There's so much unknown about where things are going politically, socially, and culturally. And certainly there's a huge concern many families have about where things are going financially. One of the best things you can do is learn how to keep more. We are helping families across the country keep more every day. Keep more wealth and keep more income now and in the future. If you want to learn how to keep more of your wealth and more of your income, schedule a time, talk to us today, and we'll lay out the roadmap for you and your family. Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Find them online at pilefinancialservices.com or call 843-945-4480. Securities and advisory services offered through Prospera Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, 7.54 on your Saturday morning. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. I want to spend a few minutes talking about the uh, big announcement uh, since we were last here in the studio concerning the Omicron variant and the culture of fear that the left is uh, pushing hard on you and everyone else here in, uh, in these United States and around the world. Uh, of course, the Omicron variant, Dr. Fauci came out uh, earlier uh, in the actually last weekend with a big, uh, fierce announcement that the U.S. should be prepared to do anything, anything, including lockdowns and additional further mandates uh, to fight the dreaded Omicron variant. United States top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, said Sunday last that Americans should be prepared to do anything and everything to fight the spread of the new Omicron uh, variant. Meanwhile, the uh, Epoch Times has reported and various other sites have reported since then that there are actually 39 countries reporting actual cases of the Omicron variant, but no deaths thus far. And so it just seems to me that the uh, whole thing is uh, let's be prepared. Certainly, I'm not telling you guys that Omicron is not a real thing. Obviously, it is a thing. Uh But then let's respond to actual data. Is that a problem? That's not a problem. I mean, I heard uh, two people died in South Africa. You know, that was uh, when they reported that news that two people, I I, uh, unfortunately, um, more people die from other diseases in South Africa than. Well, Omicron. yeah, and, and we, we've the, the response to this in so many ways, not just Omicron, but has been irrational on so many levels, mm-hmm. as we've talked about. The, 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 the fear uh, with, that, with regard to our children is completely overblown. Mm-hmm. There's just no rational basis for treating this as a national health emergency for our children. The common flu kills more children yeah. than the COVID-19 pandemic has ever uh, attempted. I mean, it's, it's just not even close. Right. And so, which is a... I just Googled to see if Omicron ever fought Godzilla, and it, it hasn't yet. Is it a Decepticon? No. <laughs> you know, it's funny you should say that, Glenn, because one of the things that I was thinking about this week is is I missed, we apparently missed a couple of variants. We are, we're all oh, familiar yeah. with the Delta variant, yeah. right? Supposedly, mm-hmm. they're using the Greek alphabet mm-hmm. to name these variants, and they're going in order. So there must have been an Epsilon, a Zeta, an Eta, a Theta, an Iota. I haven't heard about any of these. You know, and so I'm thinking to myself now, here's the curious part. I did hear about the mu variant. Mm-hmm. You heard about the mu variant. I, you know, not much. Yeah, wasn't a big yeah, deal. Yeah. But there was some stuff in the press about the mu variant. Now, after mu would have come new. Now, I can understand. What do you call that when there's yeah, a yeah. foreign word that when you say it in another language, it means something else? I, you know, I can understand it's not an acronym, what. acronym, is it? Yeah, it's, the linguists have a word yeah. for it. I, that's above my pay grade. But yeah. nonetheless, I can understand why they would skip new, the Greek letter new, because new is obviously an English word. And they say the new variant, that's just going to confuse everybody. So, okay, let's skip new. Interestingly enough, after <laughs> new in the Greek alphabet comes Z, as in Xi Jinping. Uh-huh. So okay. they skipped Z because they can't offend the communist. Frankly, they're they're not worried about us, yeah. but they can't offend the communists, yeah. apparently. So there can't be a Z variant of the China vaccine, I mean, of the China virus. Uh, I mean, the, the irony here is so deep, you can just, I mean, <laughs> we, it's the China virus, but we can't have a Z variant. 
Okay, are you with me? Are you yeah. stick? Yeah, are you hanging with me? Yeah, because the irony here is so deep, I'm tripping on it. Right? I mean, next comes, of course, as we all know, Omicron. So, and after Omicron, guess what comes next? Gosh, who knows? I don't pie. know. Oh, pie. Pie. Everybody loves pie. Everybody loves pie. Yeah, That's a friendly, pie, that'll be a friendly variant. I predict yeah. we'll get pie on March the 14th. No, I'm so, pie. I got you. Yeah. Pie, so, yeah, pie's yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Roe. I think Roe is going to be the midterm variant. Roe is going to be the variant that they destroy the midterms with. That's what will have us locked down in our homes at the midterm. It's crazy. Folks, stick with us. We'll be back next uh, hour with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday morning coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty. And Greg, the question on everybody's mind these days, what is going on with this real estate market now? We have just come off three straight months of rising single family home inventory, coupled with three straight months of slightly decreasing home sales. So what that tells us is the beginning of the shift is on. That frenzied market we felt this summer is really over. With and we're at the beginning of a shifting market. So this means if you've been waiting, waiting for this continued run up in the market, the time to get your property on the market is right now before things change more. Folks, that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty at 843-251-2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. The right choice for conservative insight. This is 94.5 WTKN. Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach. Talk 94.5. Broadcasting from the Tide Law Studios. This is Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services about how sound financial planning can help your family. Scott? There's so much unknown about where things are going politically, socially, and culturally. And certainly there's a huge concern many families have about where things are going financially. One of the best things you can do is learn how to keep more. We are helping families across the country keep more every day. Keep more wealth and keep more income now and in the future. If you want to learn how to keep more of your wealth and more of your income, schedule a time, talk to us today, and we'll lay out the roadmap for you and your family. Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Find them online at pilefinancialservices.com or call 843-945-4480. Securities and advisory services offered through Prospera Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. We keep you informed. Traffic and weather together on Talk 94.5. Good morning. Ready for the second hour of the Reese Boyd Radio Hours here. Saturday morning coffee. This traffic weather update is brought to you by Dependable Plumbing Service and Air. Hardworking. Honest. Their name is their promise. Traffic looks really good right now. 55 in Myrtle Beach is waking up this morning. 45 in Conway. 55 in Myrtle's Inlet. Today you can expect a beautiful day. Sunny. 70s. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Uh, Tomorrow a little bit cooler, uh, 68, 20% chance of rain tomorrow. It's really not going to happen, I don't believe. Uh, Glenn Dye, the weather guy, just said that. Best chance of rain Wednesday and Thursday, we're sitting at 40%. 71 today, 68 tomorrow, 72 on Monday. Here's Reese Boyd. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is, uh, hey, no, it's not 7, it's 8.07 on your Saturday morning. Sorry about that. You've made it to the second hour of Saturday Morning Coffee, the second cup hour. Hope the second cup is treating you just as well as the first. You know, just before the break, uh, Glenn, we were talking about the Omicron variant and the deadly, uh, the new streams of coronavirus. And one of the things I just want to go on record, I want you all to write this down, that we will get the Pi variant in March, March 14. <laughs> and, of course, the uh, Pi variant will be followed by the Rho variant if they, if they play by the rules, which that's a huge assumption, uh, obviously. Nobody, there are no rules for those folks. But uh, the Rho variant will be the one that they want to try to keep us locked down during the election. Yeah, because the objective of all this, of course, is to allow us to vote by mail. Right, and, and so it's right. all about it's all about the midterms right. right now. So I'm not afraid of no no variant. So y'all, uh, yeah, I'm not. I won't. I've, I've done everything I can to live a normal life. Um, yeah. I am I am a fully vaccinated non booster guy. Non booster um, guy, and I've got an issue with the booster. I think, and if you see how that variant has acted reacted with people that are uh, vaccinated. They all seem to do pretty good. There's no deaths in the United States. None. People say that it's mild. Um, I've no had, deaths I, in any of the 38 countries that are reporting cases. There you cases. go. Thank you. But the, but the fact of the matter is the flu. I know you've probably had the flu during your lifetime where you thought you're going to die. Oh, sure. I yeah. mean, where you're a couple of times. You're 104 temperature. You're throwing up. I mean, you think you're going to die. So this, if, it's, if that's it, I welcome it. Come yeah. on. Come well, on, boy, boy. Give it to me. And there's a lot of evidence that is out there. I'd be curious to hear our guest take on this. But there's a lot of evidence that's out there. You know, this is the first time in history, Glenn, where we have locked down healthy people. Mm-hmm. You know, no, the normal response throughout history has been to isolate those who are sick. Right. In this case, we have gone about face. We've taken a 180 degree different tack on this pandemic for reasons that you and I can speculate. Mm-hmm. That would be a whole nother show. But we've locked down the healthy. We've destroyed the economy. We've made people dependent upon government. And surprise, surprise, you know, 18 months later, nobody wants to work. You and know, inflation and, is higher and than inflation it has been is in the spiraling 70s. through the roof. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. They are hmm. they are destroying folks. It is so patently obvious that democratic leftist, progressive, communist, socialist policies destroy the world. I mean, it's, it's happening right in front of our eyes, but that's not this segment. This segment is your opportunity uh, to hear from a candidate for the congressional race now ongoing in South Carolina. It's the South Carolina 7th District, currently held by Congressman Tom Rice. The candidate we are speaking with today is Dr. Garrett Barton. Dr. Garrett uh, Barton is uh, practicing or was a practicing until he decided to run for Congress, but a family physician from Sherall, I believe. So... That's correct. Yeah, Dr. Garrett, welcome to the or Dr. Barton, welcome to the show. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you, Reese. Thank you, guys. Um, it's a pleasure. Beautiful morning to drive in all the way from the far, par- farther part of the district. So yeah, you're on the uh, you're on the fringe of the district. Now, yes. now just re- I know there's a new district map that has just been published. That doesn't change anything dramatically for the district, does it? Correct. So um, at first, you know, there was talks maybe part of uh, where I live in Chesterfield County was going to be part of that redistricting. But now the latest one that's going through looks like it won't be touched at all. So, um, of course, we're excited about that. But even so, um, even before I moved to Chesterfield County, I was a resident of Florence, South Carolina for several years. So I've only lived in several different parts of the district. Yeah. 
And so your um, your practice in Sherrall, tell us about what you did before you ran for Congress. So um, my wife and I actually, we uh, are from small towns. We love small towns. And we're both practicing uh, family docs. So we practice broad scope medicine. Um, we serve the community, taking care of people in the office, the hospital, and even ICU care out there because – you know, when you uh, get to the rural areas of not just, you know, the country, but our district, yeah. there's not specialists out there. So you kind of got to be the uh, the person that has to carry a little extra weight um, without having that kind of connection. So, um, but living out in the district, taking care of people, trying to make a difference. This is not, and, and by the way, folks may not understand the term broad scope. What, is that, what does that mean? Broad scope is just a term, when you think of old school docs, when yeah. your doc used to, you know, do everything for you see in the hospital, go yeah. to the nursing home, do procedures. Stick um, with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. so for instance, uh, I do scopes, colonoscopies, EGDs. Most of the time you don't see that anymore. You don't see ICU care out of your family doc either. Yeah. So, yeah. but we got a good training out of McLeod Health. So that's good. That's, that's the way it used to be. And, and, and some would argue the way it should be. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Um, what, and what, this is not the subject of the interview and I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit trail, but I have a sense that in rural areas, um, and we can talk about telemedicine, but it seems like for many people, access to quality care is actually more of a challenge than it was 20 years ago. Is that is that a fair statement? I would I would say that, and um, that's some one of the big things that I hope to um, make a huge difference at the next level yeah. um, is healthcare reform. That is one of the biggest issues in our country. Yeah. And um, as like anything, I mean, do you could, think that's a problem in terms of access to care for rural communities? Absolutely. It's yeah. one of the biggest problems we have. And, it, and yeah. there's so many um, angles to it. Um, a lot of it comes down to payment. Uh, how do you support big industries like that in small areas? And so what do you see? It dries up. And then every, that's why everything is now moving to a central hub, big location. And, and that's got to change because um, if we don't, it'll be nothing more than everyone trying to live on the fringe or suburbia or downtown, you know, big city. And and uh, that's not what everybody is about. And um, it's not good care. So Yeah. And I know telemed- telemedicine is a wonderful thing for those applications where it works, but it doesn't work for everything. Correct. Yeah. You know, it, you know, nothing will substitute a face-to-face visit with your doc. You know, a physical exam and all that, that can happen. You can pick up so much from that. But telemedicine is the next wave, and I think it is a good thing. There's so many things that a doc can help you with yeah. without – we all know how it is. You go to your doctor. You oh, sit sure. in the waiting room for hours, yeah, yeah. and everyone's and you get, mad you get about sick it. in the process. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> coughing on you while you're waiting. You know, that that's something that, um, you know, time-wise, you can stay at home. Call, call in, be seen, get the medicine you need yeah. if they prescribe it. And then it, it's just that's, that's the, the century we're in now. It, yeah. It's got to change. So. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's true. It, it, there's good things about it, like so many things, uh, technological in terms of advancing technologies and the social media aspect and, and the Internet and all that. It, things will be good. Things will be bad. But it's coming. It, it's, it's happening. It's here. It's not, the genie is not going back in the bottle. So what made you decide to run for Congress? Big decision. It, it is a big decision. I've never had um, political background before, but for me personally, when you look at the current landscape of our country, you look at the, the current um, leadership in, in my opinion, it's an embarrassment. Um, the, the amount of um, change they're trying to do that are starting to infringe on our basic rights, trying to tell people what to do, um, trying to spend 
ungodly amounts of money that we've got. You know, we're pushing up on thirty trillion in debt. Yeah, that we know, don't have. We don't way. have it. We don't have that kind of money. And it's yeah. just, in my opinion, that's not wise leadership. Um, and so, for me personally, um, I'm a praying person, and I and I sat down, I prayed, prayed with my wife, and we felt like this is something the Lord was kind of leading us to. And so we planned it out, and uh, I hope to make a difference, get some good um, level-headed people back in Congress that care. Yeah. And uh, what are the – I know there are some things that uh, you would do if you were elected. By the way, you and I met at the Republican Action Conference a few weeks ago in uh, in Myrtle Beach. Great uh, conference that was hosted by the SCGOP. A lot of great folks came out for that. Um, good uh, teaching, a lot of learning sessions that uh, folks were able to participate in, learned a lot about uh, grassroots and other uh, forms of political activism. So I met you. I thought you were you just seemed like a great uh, down to earth, exactly the kind of guy that we need to send to D.C. I've been sort of I've followed politics for many years. I, too, ran for office. So I, I commend you. It's not an easy thing to do. You put your life on hold. You put your family out there. Everything is on the line. You basically have to stop working, stop making a living. It's not an easy task. But we need more people who come from outside the arena, this is my opinion, to do it because we need need outsiders Mm -hmm. to go to Congress. We need people who are not – the list of things that we need, in my opinion, is not long. We need term limits, I think. Yes, sir, absolutely. We we need a balanced budget amendment. (laughs) We need legislative reform. Um, That's a whole other issue because – you know, one of the things that we see happening in Congress right now, and it's been happening for a long time, is you see these bills, as Nancy Pelosi famously said, you got to pass the bill to find out what's in it. we got to stop doing that. Yeah, that's a ridiculous precedent to set. Yeah, and so and, – and we also need people who will go to Congress and promise me you won't – you get there and you get sucked in to the machine, the, the fundraising machine, and you have to start raising money. And, and, and then you're beholden to all the major donors and the major lobbying firms. And that's how you get sucked into the process, because if you want a committee assignment, you've got to raise so much money for the RNC. And that's the problem. I mean, then you just become another cog in the wheel. We need folks that will go up there and just do what's right. Just do what's right. That's, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to you. I want to know what you think. What, no, what, what are, what are you going to do? I, I, you and I are cut a, a, a part of the same cloth, I feel like. So um, personally, like I said, me doing this job, I'm actually taking a significant pay cut. Yeah. And, 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 and so I hope that resonates to people to realize I'm not doing this for money. I'm not doing this for fame. I'm a firm believer in term limits. And I, I promise everybody right now, I'll go on record. I'm pulling myself out after so many terms because this job was never meant to be a continual career. This is a public servant position, and we got to stop taking it as this is, quote, Garrett's seat or yeah. Tom's seat. It's yeah. not. It's yeah. the people's seat. And um, so for me personally, I'm a firm believer in term limits. And I promise you another thing, too, is I can't be bought off. You, you're not going to buy me off because that's not my goal. And um, like I said, when, when someone sets a limit to themselves, um, it, it lets you focus on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And then you go on with life. I'll serve the public like I am. I'm already serving the public, and that's what I want to continue to do. So, and um, if you are elected, uh, what I mean, what what would be your first priority? So, if if uh, if I'm elected to office, my first priority will be to um, start by trying to reinstate 
a lot of President Trump's initiatives, some of his policies that the the Biden regime is only tearing down just because of it's almost like childish. Yeah. And then you look several months down the road and what is, you know, remain in Mexico and all those things are staying and happening. And it's just so for me personally, um, I would do that. And I'm going to focus heavily on health care because I feel like I can make an immediate impact for people that way. And uh, but again, I'm American first uh, candidate. And there's so much good with Trump's policies. Well, I had a few more questions that I wanted to ask you. Can you uh, stick around through a break and come back and join us for a few more moments? Yes, sir. All right, folks, we are in the studio with uh, Dr. Garrett Barton. Dr. Barton is a candidate for Congress, and he's joining us here this morning to tell us about his campaign. Stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our kind sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Dr. Garrett Barton. Stick with us. And more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 824 on your Saturday morning. We are talking to Dr. Garrett Barton, who is a candidate for Congress right here in our own SC7 Congressional District here along the Grand Strand and in the PD. I guess uh, it's the greater PD really is how you would describe it. Um, so, Dr. Barton, we were talking, and thanks for sticking with us. We were uh, talking just before the break about what got you into the race, what you will do. And you've, you, we said some interesting things. We were talking before the show about these VAX mandates. You know, we've spent a lot of time at this station on this program and other programs talking about uh, the CMS mandate, the OSHA mandate, the various things. And I've said all along, these things are not constitutional. OSHA doesn't have that authority. CMS doesn't have that authority. You know all about CMS. Um, and and the courts are coming around to that. Of course, uh, Joe Biden has said he doesn't care. They're pressing ahead. But, uh, you know, there actually is now uh, a nationwide injunction uh, on the mandates and at least the CMS mandate. And and so uh, one of the things and we in my law firm, we represent a lot of employees who have been pressured to take uh, the, the vaccine and are facing uh, employer mandates. What is your uh, and I've been concerned, frankly, about how many of those are medical professionals. You know, I've got doctors that I represent who did not want to take the mandate or I mean, excuse me, didn't want to take the vaccine, but were being, you know, maneuvered into that position by their employer. But we had a conversation about uh, what's your thought on all these vaccine mandates and and maybe the vaccine generally, if you want to share any of that with the listeners. Yeah. So um, as we were talking, you know, of course, COVID has been a, a big deal for everybody. Um, and 
one of the things that people, I hope they understand, is we try to make it about a health issue. And health is involved, like we discussed, but this is more about a rights issue. You know, it, Amen. You, you can't. You can't yeah. you can't tell people um, you know you must do this or why why I guess I should say why are we putting people to make a decision to say you either feed your family or you get fired because you don't get this vaccine forced on you and that and that shouldn't that should never be the case you don't convince people it never works in any aspect of life you don't you don't convince people by demanding them and forcing them to do something, you know? So that's not even the right approach to take if you were wanting to, but I'm a firm believer. That's nothing that uh, the government should be able to do and tell and uh, force people to do. As far as the vaccine, the vaccine, I I believe president Trump did a great job with operation warp speed. Um, The amount of red tape he cut to be able to have an opportunity uh, to have the vaccine. Now the vaccine has been proven um, effective, especially if you're in the 65 year, years and older range, and you've got multiple conditions like diabetes, COPD, obesity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, those patients definitely get a significant benefit and protection, and I've seen it myself being a physician in the ICU. But I'm not. I'm not about forcing, especially young people and children to take this vaccine when the studies that we're doing on them are very early preliminary and in the population size that we're even doing them on, you know, it's not even a large population size and we're trying to uh, act like it's gospel truth. So a lot of these things go through a heavy, rigorous process over a decade's time um, to find truth and, you know, truth in the, in the mix of it. So I don't believe that we should be forcing anybody. I believe that's a choice by a person themselves and, and the parents of their kids. That's not something that the school district or President Biden should be telling anybody what to do. Yeah, and I agree. You and I said this before we went on the air. It's really not about whether – I think there are a lot of people, a whole lot of people. If you're 65 or older or if you have other serious health conditions, comorbidities, the things that we know cause the problems – you should take the vaccine. Yes. I mean, it makes sense. Statistically, mm-hmm. you need to get vaccinated, but that should be your decision. Correct. And um, in, in, in the office, you know, what, what a, a good doc does is you sit down, you have a, a frank conversation. You say, look, this is the, the information we have. You know, I'm not, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm not God. I don't know everything. And, um, but what we do know is here's what the studies are showing us to this point. And with your risk factors, this is putting you at a higher risk or not a high risk. And at that point, it's put in the patient's hands. Yeah. It's not put in my hands to say, well, I know you said no, but go ahead and roll your sleeve up and let me go ahead and give you this shot. That, that doesn't work and, um, and it shouldn't work. In, in one of the cases where we're representing an employee, I actually was uh, as speak, asked to speak to somebody in an HR department. And this individual told me, she said, well, there are no long-term side effects to the COVID-19 vaccine. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> the, the COVID vaccine has only been around about 18 months, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Again, it, it, it's... We don't know what the long-term side effects are. We don't are. know what 10 years down the road fully looks like. We don't. Yeah. And so we can predict we have some data, but we, yeah, we certainly we have don't ways, have a full picture. We have ways to predict, but there's a reason why now I'm getting pretty nerdy on you here with science like talk. But yeah, um, the way that the, the the government goes through these processes of uh, validating medications and stuff, they have several phases of a trial. Mm-hmm. And the last phase 
is after it's been tested on a petri dish and on animals and then on volunteer humans, the you know the last state is what happens when it goes out into the public because there's side effects, there's everything that happens even out of a controlled setting when it gets into a large population, not a not a small controlled population yeah. that we learn about, and that's why you see now on the the news. Over the last year, they talked about the acid medicine you may have heard of called mm-hmm. Zantac. Yep. You know, now they're talking about pulling it off the market because some compound in it. And it, we don't live in a perfect world. No. no. And, and so there's risk with everything in life. And and I believe that um, to say that we know gospel truth, everything about this right now is, is lying to people. So. Sure. So if folks want to learn more about your campaign, about you and why you're running for Congress, how can they get in touch? Yeah, so um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can check out our website, BartonForCongress.com. That's my last name, B-A-R-T-O-N, ForCongress.com. It's got our platform, our issues. You'll see a picture of me and my family. I have a young family, got a one-year-old, and we got one on the way. And um, you'll just get to see who I am. I'm an average, normal person that lives in the community every day and speaks to people on their level uh, with them um, because that's what it's about. Um and then uh, if you decide that you like what we have to say, you want to change in Congress, you want somebody that's uh, not quite the same mold as the constant in and out of these politicians, um, we love your support. Of course, you guys know it costs money, and, and I don't get a penny of it. It all goes to paying for advertisements and stuff. Um, we have uh, – you can make checks out to Barton for Congress, and uh, we have a P.O. Box 3591 here at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, two. 29578 if you decide so that way or on our website but we'd love to hear from you we'd love for you to be a part of our team and try to go make a difference for our district amen any other final final words you want to share with our listeners no i mean it's uh, out of out of tough times i think come good times and it it makes people stronger and i think it's waking up the people and i see a majority think i believe like us and it's causing people to start being involved, making a difference, whether it's the school board stuff, the abortion issues, all of those things that obviously are a mess. We're seeing good people stand up. And I hope I hope to help be a part of that movement to get good people to start getting back in our leadership positions because we want a country that looks like America uh, for my, our next generation. Amen. And we don't want a socialist country. That's not what America wants, even though the current leadership is pushing it. So, um, again, check us out. We hope to earn your support and uh, be a great voice for the community in this area. Well, Dr. Barton, thanks for joining us. Uh, enjoyed the interview, and you got some great uh, comments. Uh, I like what you say, and I hope folks will check out uh, the website, folks. It's uh, Dr. Garrett Barton. BartonForCongress.com is the website. Uh, Check them out and uh, come back on the show anytime. Good luck with it. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. 
Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team, EXP Realty. And, Greg, you've been in this market for over 24 years locally. How does that experience translate to benefit your clients? You're right, Reese. Doing this for 24 years, we've learned a few things, and we specialize in better communication, giving our clients more peace of mind, and just handling all the details, streamlining the process. So how do you coach a buyer who's involved in an environment where there are multiple offers being submitted for properties that are moving quickly. You've got to have a buyer that absolutely has to have the property, meaning the motivation is there. Going in strong with terms and price is the way you win in this market. Folks, that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty at 843-251-2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. More local content weekends on Talk 94.5. Yes, that's right. Tune in Saturdays from 1 till 2 p.m. The Blake Sloan Real Estate Show. Blake Sloan is a Myrtle Beach, South Carolina-born entrepreneur. Industry leaders have dubbed him the real estate whiz kid. And his real estate team is consistently ranked in the top 1% of realtors worldwide. How does he do it? Tune in Saturdays, 1 to 2. The Blake Sloan Real Estate Show. Saturdays on Talk 94.5. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour it is 8 37 on your saturday morning saturday december the 4th can't believe december is here hard to believe that uh the year is drawing to a conclusion but it is it's uh, uh thanksgiving behind us christmas the holiday season in front of us and a uh, lot a uh, lot to do before the end of the year we are uh, in the midst of uh uh, just a great time of year. Hope you guys will take time to get out to some of the uh, holiday parades that are going on here in the area. We'll, uh, we'll give you that information before the end of the show, but a lot going on. Right now we're uh, talking, however, to, and I want to thank uh, Dr. Uh, Barton, was uh, jo- kind enough to join us uh, in the studio uh, for a, a great interview, and we had a good time talking to uh, uh uh, Dr. Garrett Barton, who is a candidate for Congress here in uh, SC7. Right now, we are going to be switching gears. And uh, our next guest here on the program is Melanie Israel. Uh, Melanie is with the Heritage uh, Foundation, and she has uh, written several pieces lately about the um, uh, uh, Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Women's Health Center case, which is the case we talked about at the uh, beginning of the program. Melanie is with the DeVos Center. Uh, of the Heritage Foundation. She is a policy analyst at the DeVos Center for Religious and Civil 
Society at the Heritage Foundation, and she uh, joins us to talk about uh, the uh, Dobbs case and the oral argument uh, this week and whatever else is on her mind. And uh, she joins us here on the program now. Good morning, Melanie. How are you? Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome, and uh, thank you for joining us. We re- we always enjoy having you folks uh, from the Heritage Foundation on the show. I, I follow you guys online, obviously, and, and uh, use a lot of your material. You guys are just doing great work, and I uh, always appreciate uh, your contributions uh, to the program. You had an interesting uh, piece uh, on the heritage.org website this week, which uh, I'll post a link to, which said, uh, you know, reminded everybody that uh, – this this standard, this unworkable standard established by Roe v. Wade has been in place since 1973. That's almost 50 years that we've been working around this viability standard. And uh, and yet we still are, we're still having a discussion if there's any constitutional foundation for it. Exactly, exactly. For half a century, we have been working under this framework that is unsettled, it's unworkable, it's arbitrary. And what do we mean by viability? When we say viability, we're talking about this arbitrary line that the court drew with no analysis or justification that says states can protect unborn life after viability, the stage at which they're um, likely able to survive outside the womb, but they, they can't before the stage of viability. Um, And, of course, one of the reasons that line is so arbitrary and unworkable is because viability is a moving target. It's not one set moment in stone. In fact, in 1973, it was about 28 weeks. Now it's understood to be closer to 24 weeks gestation. And we have babies as young as 21 weeks who have been born and who have survived. And so that right there is really one of the most powerful examples of why this viability standard doesn't work. But beyond that, the Constitution doesn't say anything about the standard that the court has imposed for half a century. And so Mississippi is asking the court to change course, um, yeah. to, to do the right thing and get rid of this arbitrary and unworkable framework because it's not constitutional. Yeah, One, one of the things, uh, Melanie, listening to the arguments, uh, which I listened to uh, through the uh, website online, I was not there, but I listened online. I was fascinated by the fact that there were plenty of questions throughout the oral argument from many of the justices about, you know, what is the right that you point to? Where in the Constitution is this constitutional right? Here, 50 years after Blackman wrote Roe v. Wade and got how many ever justices he got to join him on the opinion, and they signed it into law, we're still having a debate on exactly where that right is to be found. And, and it wasn't even clear in the oral argument that everybody, it was very clear, and strike that, everybody in the room did not have the same ideas about where the right was to be found. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, for, for the pro-abortion side, they really didn't have any good answers to defend the heart of it, of, of why their position is constitutional, because, of course, it's not. So what they were doing was they were saying, well, instead of answering this question about finding agreement of where this right is found in the Constitution and how, we're just going to justify continuing the status quo because of stare decisis, because the the court's been doing it for so long, the court shouldn't be political, and so it would be wrong for them to change course now. And of course, that's not a good justification, and the court is well within its rights to overturn previous precedent 
if a case was wrongly decided. And in fact, that's what they've done in the past when it comes to things like segregation. Um, when there is an egregious error, um, even if it comes from the court, the court still overturns precedent um, when it's necessary. And so Mississippi, again, they, they have really made a compelling case that not only um, is this viability standard not found anywhere in the Constitution's um, text or history or structure or tradition, but also the court's decision for over half a century um, is so egregiously wrong that the court should feel comfortable overturning that precedent, even though it's been established for a very long time. Yeah. And I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, that was one thing that I was thinking about and I've read and many people have had this comment. But, you know, Justice Chief Justice Roberts, he said a few things that trouble me, but he asked, you know, we we don't really want to mess with this precedent because it's been established for so long. And of course, that's what Casey kind of wrestled with. And I think that was kind of where they wound up. I'm not a constitutional. Well, I, I am a lawyer, but I don't really I don't do this necessarily for a living. But I think Casey was kind of that same idea. They they just weighed the the merits of it and said hey, we, maybe we should just stick with it because it's been there for twenty years and of course now the twenty is fifty but it's still it's a it's a great I think the fact that we are still having a deep social divide over the issue proves how far out of bounds the court was in nineteen seventy three and exactly. you know and why and why they need to reverse it. Exactly. For nearly half a century, our country has continued continued to, to wrestle with these questions, and states have tried to pass laws trying to work under this framework and figure out um, how to apply this viability standard when it's a, a moving target. And then, of course, in Casey, in 1992, the court um, affirmed that viability standard, and they also add a standard called the undue burden standard. And, yeah. and states have had a hard time figuring out, okay, well, what's considered an undue burden? And having to go to court time and time, time again to have um, unelected judges figure that out. And so, again, Mississippi argues the the heart of it is that we've got a really simple question. Um, what's the proper setting for all of these questions and debates in the first place? Is it the legislature or is it the judiciary? And so if the Constitution says otherwise, it's a very simple answer. The American people have the authority to wrestle with these matters and decide on the answers. And in fact, if they're given the opportunity to do that, um, our laws would be able to reflect modern science. They would be able to reflect the fact that most Americans don't support abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. And, of course, that's what is allowed under Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, struck me, you, you said whether the discussion, you know, the American people have the right for this discussion to take place in the legislature. One of the things that I kept thinking as I was listening to oral argument is I found myself thinking, this doesn't sound like a court case. This sounds like a public policy discussion. It sounds like a legislative debate. It sounds like a debate when they were talking about whether fetuses can feel pain and Justice Sotomayor was talking about how even uh, dead brain people can have an autonomic response to, you know, to a, to a stimula, uh, you know, the stimulus. That, that sort of – all of that is not – debating a constitutional provision or debating a statute to try to determine what it means that to me all of that sounded like a legis a debate that should have been happening in a in a legislature which is to me further evidence that you know like we're just way out of bounds here exactly exactly again you know the 
one of the other things that came up during these oral arguments is um, Justice Sotomayor, again, kind of implying that there would be a bad public perception if the court were to overturn Roe, um, that, that people would think that it was a political decision. And of course, we, we need to reverse that. It, it's really the opposite that's true. In 1973, the court didn't just misinterpret the Constitution. They ignored the Constitution. They, they pulled this out of thin air um, without justification to impose their own policy preferences. Um, and so it, it's imperative that this court correct that grave error. It, it was wrong in 1973, and it's wrong now. Um, and, and so, again, Mississippi has made such a powerful and compelling case. I, I had the opportunity to be outside the court um, with thousands of other people, and they even um, at, at the rally were playing a live stream mm-hmm. of some of the oral arguments, which, um, to, to my knowledge, has never happened before. Um, of course, the, the audio streaming of the court is kind of a, a new thing yeah. under COVID. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was just so powerful to see how positive and energetic and hopeful the pro-life side is because for the first time in 50 years, almost 50 years, the court is being directly asked this question, can states protect unborn children before they're able to survive on their own? And with all of the advances that we have in modern science, what we know um, about how people feel about the issue um, it, it's really a wonderful opportunity for the pro-life movement here over the course of the next several months while we wait for a decision to continue talking about all of that, the, the science, and, and really just underscore for people that overturning Roe is good for um, anyone who cares about the Constitution, but it's also good for anyone who cares about our culture and our society because Roe has had just a, a lethal legacy that's really poisoned um, so much of what happens, not just in our laws, but in our society. Mm. Amen. I'll give you a, a ding for that. That's so well said. And if and we should remind folks, I think, uh, that if the court does vote to overturn Roe, it doesn't mean that, uh, Melanie, that abortion will suddenly be illegal everywhere. It just means that the the power to regulate these issues will return. There are already states like, I think, California, Washington State, where you can basically get uh, abortion on demand right up until the moment of birth. And that won't change uh, unless California or Washington State does something about that, right? Right. The The pro-life movement is still going to have a lot of work cut out for them to continue working to protect unborn children and women, uh, both in law and in culture. Um, this is a great time for people to, to go and Google what is my local pregnancy resource center. Um, find out what your church is doing to, to serve um, single moms. Uh, th- this is really an opportunity to people to find out how they can have a direct impact in their community. Um, find out what's going to be going on at their state yeah. legislatures and upcoming sessions. The, the work doesn't end um, if the court overturns Roe. It changes the framework that we're working under, and states will be able to do more. Um, but you're right. There's going to be a monumental task in those states like California and New York. So it's it's not the, the end of the to-do list, but it changes how much we're able to accomplish. Yeah. Amen. Melanie, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. I always love uh, chatting with you and the other heritage experts. Any final thoughts you have on the Dobbs case or anything else you want to share with our listeners before we let you go? Sure, sure. I think one um, kind of practical item to note is that the court never 
signals in advance when you're going to be issuing an opinion. So we don't know exactly when we're going to find out the results of this case. Um, the court's term is going to end in the summer, in June. Historically speaking, a lot of these kind of social issue cases go down to the wire to the very end of the term. So we might be waiting for another six, seven months or so, yeah. but we might not. It could come sooner. So um, everybody's going to have to stand by and impatiently wait uh, for this monumental decision. Wow. Well, Melanie, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the show. And, uh, folks, we're talking to Melanie Israel with the Heritage Foundation. You can follow Heritage and Melanie and the other folks there at Heritage.org. We encourage you to do that. And, Melanie, we'll post a link to your recent article on our uh, on our website. So thanks so much again, and uh, come back on the show anytime. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Take care. Folks, we're uh, uh, running out of time on this segment. We'll be right back after these words uh, from our sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Text us, 843-798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday morning coffee, talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services about how sound financial planning can help your family. Scott? There's so much unknown about where things are going politically, socially, and culturally. And certainly there's a huge concern many families have about where things are going financially. One of the best things you can do is learn how to keep more. We are helping families across the country keep more every day, keep more wealth, and keep more income now and in the future. If you want to learn how to keep more of your wealth and more of your income, schedule a time, talk to us today, and we'll lay out the roadmap for you and your family. Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Find them online at pilefinancialservices.com or call 843-945-4480. Securities and advisory services offered through Prospera Financial Services. Member FINRA SIPC. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Welcome back to the Saturday morning coffee program, Reese Boyd Radio Hour. You've made it all the way through another episode of Saturday morning coffee. This is the parting wisdom segment of Saturday morning coffee. I was going to do a little bit more with the parting wisdom segment, but we uh, we run a little bit long here in some of our segments. I've got a few items still in the stack that I'll push to a later show and uh, won't do exactly with the parting wisdom segment that I, what I was planning to do because we're just running a little bit uh, short on time. But I want to thank our guest uh, who uh, joined us here on the program. I want to thank Dr. Garrett Barton uh, for joining us as, uh, in the studio. And I also want to thank Melanie Israel from the Heritage Foundation for talking to us about the Dobbs case. I'll give you guys my prediction for Dobbs. I think we'll get a decision sometime in late June or uh, perhaps uh, early July. I think it'll come later in the term. I don't think they're going to rush to get it out. Maybe they will. I don't know. But uh, I, that my 
my sense is late June, early July is probably when we will maybe should look for a decision. And I think they're going to reverse uh, Roe v. Wade is my personal prediction. I've you know listened to the arguments. I've read the briefs on both sides of the cases. And I think uh, what we are looking at here is a situation where they made a mistake, folks. They made a mistake. And it's not really, interestingly enough, there's a similarity here between the last two things that we were talking about. The Roe v. Wade case and Dobbs versus uh, Jackson Health Center, really actually not about abortion. Just like the vax mandates are really not about the efficacy of the vaccine. As I was talking with Dr. Barton, I said, you know, for a lot of people, the vaccine makes a ton of sense. But that's not what it's about. It's about whether the government should be able to force you to do it. Because if they can force you to do it, the thing that they force you to do next may not make sense. The vaccine probably makes sense for you and you should take it. But that's not the issue. The issue is whether the government or your employer acting on behalf of the government can force you to take it. In the same way, Roe v. Wade is really not about abortion. It's about the Constitution. It's whether five justices sitting can, can, can make a law out of whole cloth. So that's what that case is about. Um, and... Uh, Let me leave you with this bit of uh, wisdom from the Proverbs, folks. It's uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Folks, that's another Saturday morning coffee in the can. Y'all have a great week. Be blessed, and join us next week for more Saturday morning coffee.